Hello and welcome again to another conservative historian podcast. This one entitled Vice Presidents, Joe Biden's Choice of Harris and Henry Wallace in 1944. This is a little bit of a special podcast as today is the day in which Vice President Mike Pence will debate vice presidential nominee and running mate of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Before we begin with the podcast, I just want to note that the Conservative Historian book, A Collected Works, is now available for sale on Amazon. You can either purchase the hardcover edition or a Kindle version. All you need to do is is go to Amazon, type in Conservative Historian Collected Works, and you should see our page without any issue. So please take a look. This is Bell Avis. And now, on with the podcast. At the Democratic Party convention in 1944, Vice President Henry Wallace, former Agricultural Secretary and key supporter of Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, was dumped from the ticket. This is as much about Roosevelt's health than it did about Wallace's strong progressivism and perceptions by many conservatives within the Democratic Party. Why would a successful ticket be dismantled? And why the choice of Democratic stalwart Harry S. Truman in place of Wallace? In a 2013 article written for the National Review, author Conrad Black, writing of Wallace's selection as running mate in 1940, states, quote, FDR wanted the vice president to be someone who believed more emphatically in what he had been doing for eight years than did the incumbent vice president, former House Speaker John Nance Garner of Texas. Unquote. Yet, by 1944, the selection of Wallace was seen to be a mistake. According to historian Roy Jenkins in his biography entitled Franklin Delano Roosevelt, quote, there was a general agreement that Wallace would not do. FDR thought he would cut a million off the Democratic vote. Unquote. Historian Arthur M. Schlesinger Jr. pronounced Wallace to be a, quote, incorrigibly naive politician, unquote. Journalist Peter Beiner writes that Wallace had a, quote, naive faith in U.S.-Soviet cooperation, unquote. Yet, Wallace had served as agricultural secretary for seven years prior to his election as vice president in 1940. At that time, his views, that included his support for farmers and a certain admiration for the Soviet Union, were known to Roosevelt. And it should also be stated, agricultural secretary in the 1930s was a little bit of a different role than one manned by an agricultural secretary in 2020. If nothing else, a huge block of Americans, a significant perception at that time were farmers, much larger than the 2 to 1% that are farmers today. So the question is, why was Wallace as palatable a running mate as he was in 1940, was not the right vice president in 1944. This is also deciding that Roosevelt, in the midst of a successful, at the time in 1944, a successful run as a wartime president. Note his concern about losing a million voters. Roosevelt's popularity was still sky high in 1944. In other words, he could have taken, well, pretty much anybody with him as vice president. And yet, the decision was made to remove Wallace. 
Despite the concerns over Wallace's ideology, it is difficult to imagine a hale and hardy Roosevelt losing an election in the middle of the greatest war ever fought in history, regardless of who was running with him. And yet, this is the crucial point, this was not the 1932 FDR. Quote, The beginning of Roosevelt's decline came in March 1944 with a bronchial infection and a temperature of 104 degrees. He had little choice but to undergo a major checkup, unquote, adds Jenkins. Did Roosevelt know what was coming? Almost certainly. But for a man who loved being president, and boy, he sure loved being president, his declining health could never be publicly and barely privately acknowledged. Certainly not mentioned with World War II still in doubt and an election coming up. In a 2015 book review in the New York Times, Lynn Olson states, quote, If the American public had known how gravely ill he was, his chances of re-election would have been greatly jeopardized, if not destroyed, unquote. And did they know? Historian David Jordan in his work, FDR Dewey in the Election of 1944, states, quote, Franklin Roosevelt's health had long been a matter of public knowledge and speculation, unquote. And this speculation led to, quote, another factor that weighed upon the Democratic leaders as they thought about a running mate for Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1944. That factor was Roosevelt's health and the possibility that the convention might actually be choosing the next president when it named somebody to the second spot in the ticket, unquote, adds Jordan. Harry S. Truman was in many regards the anti-Wallace. For the party bosses of the Democratic Party, and really for Roosevelt himself, if there were indeed not picking a typical vice president, but rather a future president, they would have picked anybody but Wallace. Quote, he had a peculiar personality, and his political views were an anthema to large parts of the Democratic Party, unquote, states Jordan. As for Truman, he was a great consensus pick because in his time in Washington, much of it as a backbench senator, he had not made many enemies. He also had a reputation as a man of integrity. In fact, one of his wartime roles was to check up on the producers to make sure that they were actually producing the war weapons necessary for success without lining too much of their pockets. In other words, Truman was the watchdog over the massive production going on in the nation at that time. And he was seen as exactly the right man for that, unquestioned integrity. Even if the leaders of the Democratic Party and Roosevelt himself did not fully appreciate the actual time Roosevelt had left, it is hard to imagine that anyone thought it would be a full four years. This opens up all kinds of insights into vice presidential choosing. Would H.W. Bush have chosen Dan Quayle if he had an expectation of not completing his term? The inexperienced Quayle? Probably not. Would John McCain have chosen Sarah Palin or Al Gore chose uh, uh, Joe Lieberman? Would John McCain have chosen the inexperienced, she was only one year as governor of, of the second small state in the union in terms of population, this being Sarah Palin, or would Al Gore have chosen 
ultimate democratic centrist Joe Lieberman as his running mate? There are recent examples of top-of-the-ticket candidates making choices on the rhetorical basis of having a ready successor. In 1992, Bill Clinton chose essentially another Southern moderate to round out the ticket, though Al Gore lacked some of Clinton's personal baggage. And in the cases of Michael Dukakis choosing Lloyd Benson and George W. Bush choosing William Cheney, these are examples of selecting experience even greater than the person actually running for the presidency. But none of these candidates, certainly not the hardy 43-year-old Clinton or long-distance runner W. Bush imagined an inability to finish his term. Look at the pictures of Clinton in 1992 or of Bush in 2000. These guys look like they were going to live forever. But in 2020, Joe Biden, if elected president, will not finish his term. Let me repeat that. Joe Biden will not finish his term. In fact, the question is, when at what point do they need to replace him within his term? He has already confessed that he probably would only be a one-term president, but there is simply no way to look at this Joe Biden and think that the the, the challenges, the burdens, and and the troubles of the modern presidency would not wear down this already weakened 78-year-old. Biden's history of gaffes and plagiarism are well known, but he was committing his malpropisms and stealing Neil Kinnock's speeches before presiding over the Senate Judiciary Committee and running as Barack Obama's vice president. Here are a few of the gems. In 1988, then age 46, quote, New York Times reporter Maureen Dowd reported that in September 1987, During an event at the Iowa State Fair, Biden mimicked entire portions of Kinnick's speech from earlier in the year. At one moment, Biden repeated the line that he was first in a thousand generations to graduate from college, gesturing to his wife in the exact same way Kinnick did, while also saying the same line about her education and lineage, unquote. Also in 1987, Biden claimed that he graduated in the top half of his law school when he was actually 76th of 85. In 2006, Biden stated, quote, in Delaware, the largest growth of population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking, unquote. Yeah. Biden also described Obama, Quote, I mean, you've got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy, unquote. Try, just try, if you will, dear listener, to imagine a Republican describing a minority candidate as, quote, clean, unquote. And yet, These were examples of Biden's 40-year career, ranging from his initial political campaigns in the 1970s up to the Obama re-election campaign in 2012. Now, a few words about that campaign. In 2012, when running for a second term, Biden debated the vice presidential candidate, Representative Paul Ryan. Here is how the Washington Post reporter Chris Chilkalizia described the debate. Quote, The debate was so dominated by Biden, for good and for bad, that Ryan was largely a bystander. If you liked aggressive Biden, that makes Ryan a loser. If you don't like aggressive Biden, which makes Ryan a winner, 
unquote. CNN described the debate as this. We expected Ryan, not Biden, to bring a three-ring binder full of facts and figures to the debate. It's not that the data-driven Ryan didn't show up with an armful of statistics. It is just that Biden did so as well, unquote. Just think about that for one second. If you go back, and I encourage you strongly to go back, it's very simple. Just go onto YouTube and in your search bar, do Ryan Biden debate. That's it. At the five minute mark, Joe Biden, Joe Biden is issuing out these stats about foreign policy and they're accurate and they're on point and he looks fully in command not just of the statistics at the time, but of the debate itself. He looked like he may have known even more than the wonkish Ryan. Can anybody compare that to how it is in 2020? A Republican strategist quoted in the Wall Street Journal stated, quote, if you like Joe Biden already, then you absolutely loved him tonight. If you are undecided or indifferent, you're probably left wondering who this man is who is smirking, sighing, pointing, interrupting, and badgering, unquote. Does anyone with a sentient thought or even a smidge of objectivity think that 2020 Joe Biden is the same as this one described just eight years ago? Biden may have cribbed from British prime ministers or used cringeworthy language, but there was a fighting spirit about all of it, and he actually had some grasp of policy. This is different from an inability to string together two sentences, stumbling over easy words, or not know which state he happens to be giving a speech. Peggy Noonan caught the gist of the issue in saying of Biden, quote, not everyone ages the same, unquote, to explain how Bernie Sanders seems to be at the top of his game, though a year older than Biden, or how to explain Nancy Pelosi's command of the House at an age even older than Sanders. What is unmistakable is not just that Biden is older, but that he is aged. One of the few to come out and call the obvious was Fox commentator Britt Hume, who stated, quote, I don't think there's any doubt about this. I have traces of this myself. I know what it feels like. Sometimes you're confused. Sometimes you can't remember. What are you supposed to do the next morning? And I'm not running for president, and that is probably a good thing that I am not, unquote. All of this puts Joe Biden's choice of Kamala Harris in perspective. The choice of vice president is in the same context as 1944, and it makes Biden's choice of Harris that much more critical. One has to go back to Richard Nixon in 1973 to find the last president who made the choice of who's going to be the next president. Now the American people will be selecting they will be voting really among three candidates. There is Biden, there is Donald Trump, and there is Kamala Harris. I really hope you have enjoyed this podcast on the vice president selection process. And if you want more materials, please go to www.conservativehistorian.com. We have columns, we've got videos, we've got podcasts, we've got book reviews. We even have academia, comments on the current college madness that is going on. And again, look for the Conservative Historian book, Collected Works, on Amazon. Really appreciate you listening. This is Bell Avis. <laughs>